What is living in lockdown like? As the world tries to make sense of the coronavirus and South Africa is knee-deep in a government-initiated lockdown, we'll be hearing from different voices what they're up to and how they're handling living in the lockdown. We've missed the sobering words and the great sage advice from Justice Malala, who's a former weekly contributor to our own burning platform. He's well known to South African audiences, and he continues to write opinion pieces and be interviewed on various media outlets all over the world. Although he's resident as a global citizen, he's a resident part-time in the United States of America. He's actually separated from his wife and kids at the moment because he is in lockdown in South Africa. Now, because the world has slowed down a bit, we have a chance to hear straight from him what his thoughts are on living in lockdown. Justice Malala, it's very nice to speak to you again, sir. I can't tell you how good it is to be back on Cliff Central. It's just, it's just lovely. How are you? I'm extremely well. I'm, I'm, I'm happy good. and healthy, thank goodness. And I'm obviously concerned about what's going on around us. I think everybody is. Mm. But um, but I'm I'm not letting it get me down. I've got lots to do, and fortunately, some of our businesses were already online before this whole thing happened. And I think a lot of people have to do some intense gymnastics to figure out how to make their businesses as adaptable. Absolutely, I think I think it's a, I think the world is going to have to change so much about the way it does things, about how we all do things. Um, I've just been amazed by how many of us have have sort of moved on from print and then from, you know, uh, a very analog world to, to really having to think hard about, about how we do things. Um, more and more people are asking me to make Zoom meetings and house parties and all sorts of things. But I, yeah, let's talk about it, about it. Well, Justice, first of all, where are you quarantined at the moment? Okay, I'm in uh, I'm in Cape Town. I'm in uh um every every uh, December, every summer we come here with my uh two kids and my lovely wife. Um and we stay at a little place in Cock Bay and that's where that's where I am. That's where I'm sort of observing the world from. It's uh it's quite weird because you come here in December and it's a, it's a bit of a holiday town. Yeah. Um, people come and, and, you know, they go swimming. There's a, uh, there's a rock pool down the road called Dale Broken. You know, it's always full, it's full of the sounds of kids screaming and shouting. And the past seven days, I have to tell you, it's been very, very quiet. Just, you know, I, I don't know why I've got in my head that song, this, uh, where the streets have no name. Oh. Um, I think it's you two. And, and in a way, uh, for me, it's where the streets have no children. There's just, there's just no one in the streets. So it's been, it's, it's been interesting seeing the contrast be, between that that little village and what it what it is now today um it's yeah anyway this is where i'm locked up um as you said my kids are in the us my my family is in the us and i'm i'm here on my own uh, observing the world now are you do, you do you see other people or are you only connecting with people online I'm connecting with people online. Uh, I mostly, I've, I've gone out, um, I've gone out to, to do some shopping mm -hmm. and I've gone out, 
to drive and see uh i'm st- i still write my column for the financial mail and the times uh and i do some other writing so i'm trying to i'm i've i've been out to observe and to see what's what's happening but i haven't really spoken to anyone i haven't i'm i'm locking i've locked myself down uh Wow. And uh, I'll come out of here on day 21. Well, it's quite, it's quite freaky, isn't it? I mean, do you have some kind of a routine that you wake up with every day? Is there stuff that you do to just keep yourself normal? Because you could go insane. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think I think this is the challenge. Um, so many people will tell you, oh, you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Actually, just getting through it uh what's the song staying alive staying alive ah, ah, ah. and i think that's that's <laughs> that's the thing you know i mean i you have to get through this 21 days so how do i what do i do how do i do it um what i've been doing is i try to get up uh in the morning i haven't always succeeded um to get out of bed physically get out of bed um you know at Eight seven thirty eight, which is usually my get out of bed time. Right. Um, um, which of course means when I used to uh, come and do the show with you guys at seven a.m., you can imagine the trauma of that on me. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to blame you for anything that happened in the past. Um, so so it's it's getting yourself out of bed uh, at that time, and you know I I speak to my wife all the time, and she. She's very good at saying, you know, set a goal and say you're going to do ah, 10 uh, push-ups and then so many lunges and so forth. So yeah. so my my exercise regimen is supposed to start at 8. That's what I've set uh, myself to get out of bed and do at 8 a.m. Um, uh, I haven't. I haven't always been that good. I have to say I'm very proud of myself. Today I did it and I did it I did it for an hour. I followed some, you know, people post um exercise uh, stuff on the internet and I followed several people who, you know, made me basically hurt myself a bit. But I did it and after that um after that I, you know, I pretended to clean the house a bit and then I sat down at my desk and and tried to get on with with some writing, some you know admin. You find that you there are so many emails that you haven't you haven't done. Um, so so that was sort of my my day, the cleaning up there, uh, trying to keep to a trying to keep to a routine. Um, <laughs> it's difficult. <laughs> I mean, I I, I sympathize. You know, sometimes I, I wonder about how all these businesses are changing. And you've already mentioned how, you know, the print media has changed and, and you still write for a number of publications like the Financial Times and so on. But, but I think there, there are probably a lot of people who are wondering what the world would look like after this whole thing is done. And since I've always valued your opinion and you always used to give such interesting and sometimes very funny insights into your take on the political sphere – how do you think the whole world is going to be different once this whole thing gets wrapped up? Because it's going to end eventually, but things are going to be quite, yeah. you know, they're going to be quite different. I think things are going to be so different, uh, Gareth. You know, we, uh, 
we we sit here and and our our job i think collectively as a country as humanity is to survive and to survive this thing um in as best uh, a way as possible but i think for us here in south africa the first thing is to think about just the economic uh impact that this is going to have um you know today's the second um people have had debit orders go out um and they don't know when the next paycheck is going to come through um yeah. i think we have i think over and above what what becomes of the world and how the world handles this i think here in south africa we really really have to think very seriously about the fact that we allowed ourselves to get to a point where 29% and that's the official figure for unemployment to be unemployed after this i think we are headed towards 40 percent unemployment and i think that brings up so many issues for for us um the the inequality that we talk about all the time becomes even wider the the desperation becomes even more um the crime that we've for so long spoken about um widens and then you know we we then face a situation where societally people say well we did have some law and order when uh, Becky Teller's cops were making people do push-ups and beating them up in the streets. It, it, it pushes us all to a, to a point of, I think, where we have to reflect deeply about our democracy and how we rescue it very, very quickly from what happens as a result, as a fallout of, of this. But I think, I think globally, uh, the point you made right at the beginning about our world changing, about about how do we how do we reach out to each other in this time? Um, I think technology is going to become um, a very very big feature of our lives. I think that um, you know I've been thinking a lot about the idea of touching people. Um, the fact that, you know, I, I, you know, I'm not a very, very touchy feely person, but mm. you know, you're uh, just the way the world works. If you're in France, people go, you know, yeah. three kisses. If you are in Pakistan, you have young men sitting together and holding each other's hands. Right. Uh, if you're in, in South Africa, in my mother's house, you know, people touch, people um, love us touch. Uh, what is the future of touch? You know, what? how uh, am I going to shake your hand again after this? Um, or am I going to, you know, do the elbow? I think I think in small ways and big ways, there's going to be big changes. I think the changes are going to be political. They're going to be cultural. Mm-hmm. Um uh, we've spoken a bit about the economic, and I think the economic is a tsunami through the entire world. I don't think whether it's China growing at 8 or 6% as it used to, we can't talk about, and I think it's one of the economists, uh, Nick Spall, I think, who said you can't talk about growth anymore because what is growth when it's going to be minus 7%? It's just contraction, contraction, contraction all the time for 
for quarter after quarter, I mean, in my view, I think I think this year is a total washout. I think the next year is going to be very hard unless we really work hard to turn things around and, and get back, not even get back. We were in trouble anyway with Moody's and so forth. But to get to some kind of building a new country um, – and and I, you know, I mean, we, you and I, and and the team have always had these conversations about. Uh, I think the past two years, the question for me has been, what's holding Cyril Ramaphosa back? And and I think he's got such a nice time uh, of adulation now. Um, maybe maybe this is the backbone. This is what will give him that that kick to to really reform this economy, make this country. Uh, different and make it work, uh, create jobs. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't want people to, to be rich. I just want them to have jobs, you know, just one job to go to and, and they can find their way from there. Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't sound like a lot to ask for, but these days I'm afraid, you know, if you look at unemployment, even the U.S., they're projecting it'll be 20%, which we would have yeah. been happy to take before this. We, we, we may be, as you say, 40, maybe even more, 40% or up. Just quickly, you, you mentioned Cyril. You've actually said that the president made the correct decision to roll out the large-scale testing program. And this is how all countries have succeeded in limiting the spread of this virus. But you are confused by Kasatu not letting Titombo any save South Africa by reigning in the public sector. <laughs> no, I, I'm absolutely you know, I think I think we do some great things. Um if you think about why South Africa has such a massive HIV AIDS infection, it's because the president at the time did not follow the the science. He he chose to follow uh, a small fringe of scientists who said no, you don't need to roll out uh, HIV AIDS um um, drugs and, and, you know, not enough education was coming through. Well, I mean, I think what Cyril has done, um, is to, is to follow the science and the science as we know it, um, as we see it is that large scale testing is how you identify people, help them get well, help isolate them, help them self isolate, quarantine where it needs to be done. And I think that's the best any leader can do right now because the the South Korea model, uh, other models show that, you know, that this is if you want to contain it. Uh, I, and I'm not saying that this is the, the the solution that will stop it, but I think at least it stops us from having Hurtesky, Jubilee Hospital, uh, Steve Beagle, mm. Charlotte McGregor totally, totally overwhelmed by people just – not being able to breathe. Um, and this is the big thing about this, this, this virus that, you know, it attacks in most cases those whose ability to, it attacks the lungs and it, you know, we don't have the ventilators. The U.S. doesn't have ventilators. So yeah. many people don't have. So, so I think that's a good thing. I'm, <laughs> I'm just, Fascinated by the policy machinations, Kosatu, uh, you know, Kosatu, everyone's making a sacrifice. And Kosatu say, no, we're going to go on strike. We're going to do this. If the public sector, if civil servants don't get, um, don't get their usual six, seven percent, um, um, pay increase, 
This is this country is in crisis. We are faced with a pandemic. Economic growth is no longer growth. We we need all of us to tighten our belts. And Kosati thinks, no, 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 no. We are just going to continue to threaten to threaten to strike to bring the country to a standstill. And these are the um, same people who always accuse the the big corporations of being selfish and only in, interested in their own interests. I mean, um, here they are being completely selfish about the the whole world, and the world has changed. Those days of bargaining councils and 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 regular increases are not going to be a matter of, of any serious con- consideration for the next couple of years? Absolutely not. And, you know, I mean, one day uh, someone smart like Sia will do a, 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 a they will number crunch. And the number of times our trade union leaders say business must come to the party. Mm-hmm. Business must come to the party. Well, business needs them to come to the party now and mm-hmm. run an efficient state without demanding uh, way above inflation um, increases that have now brought us to where we are, um, throttling the, the state. You know, if we, if the past 10 years we hadn't destroyed the surplus that Trevor Manuel had built up in the 2000s, mm. um, we'd be in a place where we could throw money at this problem. The U.S. is throwing money at this problem. Many other places have the money to throw. Um, we, on the other hand, have spent Government debt to GDP is now at over 60%. It's now going to 100% very fast, um, given where we are and what this pandemic is going to do to us. It would be nice if if Nahau and the other public sector trade unions and COSATU as the umbrella body for many of those uh, unions would actually say, um, yeah, we 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 in. we in with South Africa, we in with all of South Africa to do, you know, this is our contribution, yeah. but it's, it's not happening. And I see, uh, the last I looked, I haven't really followed the story much, but I saw, uh, Sanzum Kunu, the public service minister saying, yeah, well, we are talking and then, you know, I want to, I want to help them. Well, you know, that's, I don't think that's the language to use right now. No, I think, you know, if government can be hard on the citizens by telling us all to stay at home and that we're only allowed to move at X time and Y time and we're only allowed to work if we're in essential services, then maybe they can also get a bit harder on the unions. I saw they, well, I saw they folded, just, they folded for yeah. the taxi business. <laughs> exactly. I wanted on the, on your point, I wanted to rant and rave and, and just jump up and down and be very angry about this. You cannot continue to do this where you, the taxi industry comes in and says, yeah, no, we will, we are going to F you up, you know, mm-hmm. um, and you change the rules for, for the taxi industry and not for all of us. Do you know, I can't, I'll tell you, you know, and there's been a lot of debate about this, and I'm very aware of my privilege sitting in my uh, on my sofa and saying this right now, that, that I'm very, very lucky to be able to be here, yeah. to be able to do the things I can do. But, you know, if I went for a run on my own yeah. and avoided touching stuff and avoided touching or coming close to other runners um, up the mountain, I have zero chance of infecting anyone or being infected by someone else. Figilem mm-hmm. Balula goes and gets and says, no, you can fill up the taxis up to this yeah. um, 100%. 
and then flip-flops about on it, even at 70%, people are still next to each other. If you go to a pick and pay, they, they, it's almost a three-meter distancing, and right. that's what we need to learn. But no, actually, with the taxi industry, it's everyone, chick bar jowl. I mean, mm. those taxi drivers are basically... You know, there's an expression if you get in a taxi, it's four by four, maskalisan. You know, yeah. so it's four to a four to a row. Yeah. It, it's absolute. Can, can I ask you one other thing? Because you've been vocal, and I'm glad because there are too few voices uh, saying that it's not acceptable for our military and for our police to be manhandling citizens, even if those citizens are drunk and disorderly. We don't live in a police state. We don't live in a surveillance state. I see lots of people, even political people, DA people, EFF people, praising this kind of behavior. It's outrageous. No, it's absolutely shocking. I was, I was shocked by uh, the DA's um, uh, Makashule Ghana, who, who is a very sensible guy, saying, yeah, this is the only way uh, to deal with these people. Um, hmm. First of all, you know, it's a, it's a very, very short hop from, oh, you know, I'm going to discipline these drunk and disorderly people or kids out of the yard in a township somewhere hmm. to, oh, look, that one, uh, uh, he's with the DA. Uh, you know, they, they are, they are, uh, why are they saying these things about Ramaphosa or about so and so? It's a very, very short distance from that to yeah. Let's give him a little roughing up so that he stops saying these things. Right. We, the 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 regulations have are very clear. Um, Ramaphosa, in his first address, said we will set up um, um, quick courts where people can be. Um, can appear, go on trial, and something happens to them, they go to jail. That is the law. You you can't, it's like saying we've stopped corporal punishment in schools. Mm. And then we say, yeah, no, the teachers must, you know, give justice's kid a hot clap. Mm. You've said this is the law. Now, because, you know, there's issues of behavior, let the law take its hold. Well, it's, it's fascinating to me that some of the people who are most vocally supportive of this brutality, because that's the only word for it, mm. are, are comfortable, uh, you know, um, nosy neighbors in, in, in the suburbs who are saying, yes, now nah, this is right. And, and then you've got people who've actually lived in townships and have been victim to this not so many years ago exactly. in a country which has a brutal history who seem to have been completely brainwashed out of remembering the ugliness of what we've been through as a country. It, it's just so bizarre. Justice. No, it is bizarre. And, and, and for me, just one last thing. You know, it's, it's exactly that, that if, if you grew up in the 80s, if you grew up in the 90s and, and had this and in the 2000s, you go to school, you have this spoken about again and again and again. Mm. The, the state of emergency of the 1980s, this is exactly what the police did. And you stand yeah. there and say, I mean, someone said, I don't know how much they hate themselves. That, oh, you know, this is an African solution for an African problem. And I sit there and say, when people say that about you, you're the first to jump up and say racist, racist. Mm. How much do you hate yourself that you have to say, no, the, these cops have, you know, this is what black people understand. It's just shocking, actually. Well, I'm 
I'm pleased that you're okay. I'm pleased that your family are, are safe in, in the US and I wish you luck during the rest of lockdown. Obviously, it's great to have you back and maybe while you're stuck here, you can talk to us again and we can maybe wake you up early one morning. How about that? <laughs> I'd love to do that, but I'm not sure about the working <laughs> thank hours. You, thank you very much, <laughs> Justice. It's great to be in South Africa and thank you for everything you do. Well, thank you and, and stay safe and, and keep healthy. You too. Thank Bye-bye. You.